Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, look, it kind of snuck up on all of us, I think. I, I hope I'm not alone in that. It's officially game week. Uh, Ishmael Johnson, uh, what about you? Did it sneak up on you a little bit too? Yeah, I swear like two episodes ago we were talking about being uncertain if schedules were going to get finalized and who was going to be actually be playing and all of a sudden we're actually playing on Saturday so <laughs> and to, in all fairness you know this this week is a little bit uh in in the context of how of, of how this is all going to work this is a little bit of a week zero you know there's only three games two of them are against uh are an FBS versus FCS opponent so like this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't like the biggest and and most giant week of the year but like Man, we're 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 doing this thing, you know. I'm I'm gonna be at North Texas Houston Baptist on Saturday, just kind of seeing how that all goes. I mean, I I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> I know that we've talked about this all off season, but I don't know whether I actually like conceptualize that we could be here right now, being ready for football. Yeah, I know that's it's been after especially the past like two months, I'd say. Like this, it's definitely like oh okay, like here here we go like let's see how this goes right we've we've been talking about you know what the cost of doing this correctly would be and like you know the 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 need to have all these certain protocols and 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 you know um measures to make sure that this gets done not only gets done but gets done to completion right that's what that's what we that's what the end goal should be which is not just to get it started but to get it started well and then well enough to be able to finish it out and you know, um, last week, I guess, was the unofficial start with uh, Austin P versus Central Arkansas. And this week is like, all right, now we're going to start it here in Texas. Well, and, and last week, uh, you know, Texas high school football, at least at the 4A level and below, did start. And so from, from keeping an eye on that, I mean, how do you feel like that went? Uh, I know that there's obviously been some... Uh, mm-hmm. some statements from the UIL where they're kind of saying, come on, guys, you have to do a little bit better than what you did. But, you know, from your perspective, right. how do you think things went the first uh, the first weekend of the year? Um, It was it was a mixed bag. Um, There was a reason why you mentioned the UIL sent a notification to certain schools. Um, Some schools did them really well. And I think it's a correlation to what areas probably were affected most by COVID th- this past summer. Um. To that point, Corpus Christi was one of the districts that did it really well. Um, there were a couple of shots of, I can't remember if it was Miller or where exactly, but one of their crowds, it, it, you could see, like, ample space in between certain parties and, like, you know, rows blocked off. And, like, I think it was a shot from the opposing the opposing side where it looked like, okay, they're spaced out. Like, that, that is a thorough, well-done, you know... Um, uh, well-regulated fan section, right? Um, sure. It was a. Uh, I looked it up. It was Miller, Corpus Christi, Miller, and Flower Bluff um, from last weekend. They had really good protocols, and then you had protocols that weren't being enforced or probably weren't encouraged at all. Um, uh, you know the UI. I know that I know one of the districts that kind of went viral was Burnett, um, near the Austin area, which 
looked like a packed crowd. Um, you know, I was watching the Lampasas Brownwood game, and that was that looked like a packed crowd, and they didn't look like much maskews either. So, um, it, it was like I said, there was a reason why the UIL sent a notice out because they're, you know, they they don't want to stop the season, right? That's not the end goal is to do this safely and to be able to do this to completion. Like I mentioned with college football, that's how that's how high school wants to do it too, and so. Um, like I said, you had school, you had some districts doing this really well and some, um, I know down in two way, even two way, like Mart, you would, you wouldn't think Mart or small schools would want, you know, or feel the need to enforce it. But I know Mart was apparently one of the ones that did a really good job. And, you know, you talk about small schools or small cities that probably aren't affected that much by COVID outbreak, but they're still taking the precaution. And it's like, okay, that's the level that you need to have to be able to do this successfully. And moving it back to the college level, you know, we've already seen that in some communities where there's some big issues, we're already starting to see pushback. Because, like, for example, yeah. uh, Iowa State University just announced that, you know, originally they were going to have 25,000 people in the stands, but because the case numbers around them are so big, they've decided mm-hmm. that it's just simply not worth it to, to do this, right. right? And and this is a school that plays in the Big 12, obviously, where, you know, a lot of these uh, Texan schools are potentially going to go and play at Iowa State. So it is something to keep an eye on. And, and look, I mean, we have seen in the couple days and weeks since we've had students come back to campus that there's been pretty big spikes across the state of texas at those universities because like um i was just looking at some of the numbers earlier but you know at uh at baylor i think it was there's nearly 500 active cases right now you know at tcu Mm -hmm. there's nearly 400 active cases uh you know texas a&m over the past seven days 450 new cases like this is something that I think we all expected to some extent, you know, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't make it better, but we all did expect it to some extent. Um, and, and look, I, I think that this is where we're really going to figure out as well, you know, how well are these schools creating their football protocols, right? Because right. one thing was, uh, and I've got an article coming out on this tomorrow, uh, but I spoke to a bunch of people over at Houston Baptist. They have been practicing, obviously, the last couple of weeks. They're set to play North Texas this week, um, you know, and they, they've had to move to doing the three times a week testing in order to, to play this game. But, you know, one thing that they said is that they basically have kind of created an on-campus bubble, right? Like where they have mm-hmm. all of their uh, they have all of their football players are staying in like one residence area. Uh, they're all taking online classes and and basically it's like very controlled, you know, and and I think that that's interesting that it's happening at the FCS level where, you know, you don't necessarily have a million staffers who are able to control everything. You don't have, you know, all the resources in the world to be able to test constantly like we're seeing at the Power 5 level. And so... You know, I'm going to be curious because, you know, one thing that we've seen is like we heard in the last couple of weeks, LSU's offensive line was down to four people because of COVID and Mm -hmm. Oklahoma lost almost an entire unit during practice because of COVID and uh, Texas Tech just released new numbers and actually give me a second to just pull them up. But, you know, they still have double digit uh, active cases right now in uh, in the program. Let me see real quick. It is uh, 12 currently within the red raider football program and the Mm. thing is right like 12 doesn't just mean 12 necessarily it means 12 along with everybody who's been exposed to them in a close way so you know you'd imagine that it would be at least 20 plus with uh with potentially roommates so 
like we're still right in the middle of this thing you know we're still trying to figure some of these things out and one thing that i did see as well was that um iowa state's athletic director jamie pollard actually did say that the big 12 has decided that uh that in the way that games would be canceled and the way the games would be postponed is that uh you are required to have 53 active players one of them must be a quarterback and six of them must be offensive linemen. And that's really the only rules right now, you know, 50, yeah, yeah 53. And it's unclear too, whether that's 53 scholarship players, you know, cause, cause mm-hmm. that's another thing too, is that you're talking 185 scholarship players, but you're potentially talking 105, 115, 120 uh, players, including non-scholarship players. So I'm curious to see, you know, if it, it, obviously I hope that we don't have to get to the point where we're talking about that, but, right, right, um, right. But, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of what we're looking at. And I will say, you know, a uh, tiny bit of credit to, to you know, Jamie Pollard and, and the Big 12 for having, like, that number in mind, understanding that we're going to have positive tests, understanding that we're going to have players sitting out. But, but look, there's a reason that the NCAA decided that this year won't count against eligibility, and it's because this is going to be one of the weirdest years that we've ever seen. Right. So... Moving on a little bit, uh, look, again, it's a little bit weird that this is a game week, but it is a game week. You know, we've got three games on the schedule this week. Um, you know, we, we won't, uh, you know, we won't necessarily make this too, too much about uh, about who's going to win and lose these games because all three are, are teams that are generally pretty overmatched. But, um, but you know, I think that there's interesting storylines to talk about with each of the games. So let's go ahead and get started with SMU versus Texas State. So... This is the only one that is an FBS on FBS game this weekend, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN at Bobcat Stadium. Uh, I will say I, I did think long and hard about trying to go to this game because I seldom see a game at Bobcat Stadium, but I don't know whether uh, whether this is the year necessarily to try to go out of my way to try and, right. you know, see what, you know, will unfortunately probably be a 25% crowd or something like that. So right. SMU's favored by 22 in this game. Uh, Ish, what are, what are kind of your first thoughts about what you hope to see? Um, Man, I, this, this it's, it's going to be hard because I don't know the... I guess it's more. This is going to be a really. I don't know if the NFL is probably going to test this more in, in a couple of weeks, or I guess in a couple of days when they kick off. But like, what is the mental state of a lot of these players going? Yeah, into this that's a good one? question. Um, the reason why I bring up the NFL is because obviously they're not going. They're going in without a preseason, so it's going to be like they're going in just completely, you know, uh, fresh off practice. But even with college football, like a lot of these teams have had, you know, canceled workouts and, you know, altered camp schedules and they're going to be a little rusty and like, you know, obviously just the surrounding narrative and conversation in general, where is there, I don't know, like there, there probably is something when, you know, it's hard for me to speak as somebody who has not played that level of football, obviously, Um, maybe there is a level of tuning that out once you step on the field, like maybe these guys going through the past couple weeks of practice, um, you know, have been able to tune it out, but still, like, there's got to be some level of like this. This feels weird, right? Like, <laughs> when you're walking out to the stadium, do you just see like, you know, you see? I mean, text. You know, uh, I'll make a, a self-deprecating joke here. You know, text states twenty-five percent crowd's not going to be that significant um, uh, to what they're normally used to. But even then, like, the first game of the season is always usually a big occasion. And now it's definitely not going to be going to be that for the home crowd. 
And so, you know, does that seep into the players a little bit? Does SMU like not have as good of a traveling crowd? Does that seep into their mind a little bit? You know, it's it's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, obviously the on-field product itself is going to be interesting for obviously for the debut of Brady McBride and um, for what SMU is going to hopefully kick off to this year with a successful season. But I'm more interested around that conversation around like where are the players heads at? What's the quality? Are we going to see SMU come out and look like the SMU of last year immediately? Or is it going to be like, huh, they're, they're, they're only up 14, seven or Texas state's up 10, nothing early. You know, like, is it going to be instantly back to shooting at all cylinders? Or is it going to be a little bit of acclimating to a new play environment? Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, we don't necessarily know where players' heads are at. You know, it's easy to kind of, uh, you know, say that they're going through fall practice, all this sort of stuff that's normal, but, I mean, this is so abnormal, right? Like, walking Mm -hmm. into a stadium even and looking around and, and, you know, whatever jokes you want to make about Sunbelt Crouch or whatever, but, like, you know, going in and seeing 25% capacity, that's weird, right? Like, that's the point where it's like, do players not get pumped up the same way? You know, that's something mm-hmm. that, especially with uh, with college games versus maybe NBA, uh, MLB games that we've seen, you know, professional games, I, I am curious to see whether, you know, sort of getting hyped up does, does impact yeah. players at the college level in a way that even at the pro level it doesn't. I mean, because we see historically that in college sports, like home field advantage is a big, big deal. It's a big deal in other sports too, but in college football, it's been a really deciding factor a lot of the time. Now mm-hmm. that said, uh, you know, SME is obviously a good enough team. We saw that last year against Texas state that I don't think that either having a crowd, having a hostile crowd or not having a crowd is going to impact the game too, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, do they get off to a slow start? That's something we saw with Shane Bouchelle last year was, you know, after, stepping in and starting his first game on the road at Arkansas State, he was a little rusty to start out. He he wasn't sort of his usual poised self until maybe the second half of the game. And and actually, I think that brings me to, to the Texas State side. You know, what's Brady McBride going to look like? This has yeah. been the guy that we've been hearing about really for the last year. I mean, that's that's the, when you talk to anybody over at Texas State uh, who's in practice, everybody's talking about how good Brady McBride looks, even when he wasn't eligible to play. So now mm-hmm. he's officially the starting quarterback, which is no surprise to anybody. Um, but, you know, that's the idea is that now he's out there. He's going to be able to run Jake Spavadol's offense. Uh, what does it look like? How prepared is he? How, uh, is there an adjustment period? Especially, look, you know, he obviously did play at Memphis. He's used to playing against that defense in practice. But, like, you know, SMU's defense is really aggressive. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see, you know, how he adjusts in his first start to being able to to handle that pressure. You know, it's his first, you know, we talk about everybody else being potentially being a rusty, but, you know, it's his first game rep in two years, two years, right? Right. So, right. you know, yeah. he's he's going to have to take a little bit of time probably for himself to, you know, it's probably going to take him facing a pass rush or potentially getting hit for him to be like, all right, got that out of my system. You know, let's, let's see where this is. That's how football feels again. Let's see where we go from here. Is there something for you that, that you want Texas State to kind of show in this game? Yeah, I think for me, it's easy for me to just say, oh, you know, the offense needs to look good. I just think they need to. <laughs> right, right, right. There were points last year where, because I was at, that was the one game I did see in person for Texas State last year. And 
Same. There were points <laughs> where, yeah, um, I don't know if you feel the same way, where, you know, it, for the most part, it was kind of the, the similar story to what we've seen from them past couple of years. You know, oh, defense looks pretty good. Offense can't do, can't do anything. But it got to the point where I felt the defense was almost demoralized because yeah. of that. Um, to where I think this year, I just want to, I need to be able to see that they're a team that doesn't see SMU as unmatchable, right? I think they're going to lose. They're probably going to lose by, you know, what what was the spread again? 22. 22. They might lose by three scores, you know, but I, they can't, it can't get to the point where you're just watching the offense like, okay, well, this isn't, you know, the defense is already putting on their helmet on second down, you know, like, <laughs> like, because it, it, it felt like, it felt like that point last year where it was like, okay, this team isn't doing anything. This defense knows that, okay, we can't stop them the whole game. They're going to score 40 or whatever. They put up 47, I think. Um, they need to be able to show that because too many times Texas State has looked like they don't have FBS talent when they play good FBS teams. No and question. S- yes, SMU is a great group of five team, probably, you know, should be punching into that conversation of one of the, just one of the best teams in general in the country. But I think Texas State needs to be able to hang with them longer than they did last year. Last year was just demoralizing. And to get off to a demoralizing start this year, I think could potentially be catastrophic considering the con- the, the conditions. <laughs> Yeah, and I think for me, um, you, you know, I was going to say something very similar. I was going to say, you know, for me, Texas State can't look like they're a lower division team. They can't right. uh, come out they there. They can't look like and, an FCS team. Like last right, year, it looked like an FCS, right. an FCS game. Right. Like I, I saw numerous FCS, FBS games that were, that honestly looked a lot more competitive than, than sure. what Texas State did last year. And I think for me, what that comes down to is, look, SMU is going to score on Texas State. Texas State has a lot of new faces on defense. It's going to take a little bit of time, I think. But mm-hmm. um, but for me, I want to see a couple of sustained drives. I, I really yes. want to see, you know, I want to see a 12-play drive. I want to see, a, you know, a five-minute touchdown drive. I, I'd love to see those things just, you know, from one perspective that, uh, you know, obviously them just being able to hold on to the ball a little bit. And, and obviously, it's a Jake Spavital offense. They're not going to, you know. They're not army, right? Like they're not going to hold on to the ball when things are working uh, in that way. But I want to see, you know, multiple first downs. I want to see, you know, them getting into the red zone and having to make decisions there. And and again, like even if if they struggle to maybe get into the red or or into the end zone, maybe if they have to settle for field goals, I'm still okay with that. I just want to see that they're able to to sustain something. And look, the SMU defense, I'm probably higher on it than most. But there are a lot of new faces. You know, this mm-hmm. this defensive line that they had last year, uh, they lost basically all of their key contributors. So this is a whole new system for them. Um, you know, and, and again, I think that they're very talented. They're very talented at linebacker, which I, I think is going to make running the ball kind of interesting. But um, but there's a lot of opportunities here, I think, for Brady McBride to be able to get into a rhythm, for him to be able to find receivers. And I think the other thing, too, is I'd love to see – which two receivers are we – whose names do we know uh, by yeah. by the time that we speak on Sunday? So I will say, do you, do you remember the score at halftime? I'm looking at it right now. Do you remember the score at halftime of this game? Uh, I don't, but didn't – so the final was 47-7, right? 47-17. 17-17, my bad. Uh, yeah. So was it like was it like 21-10, something like that? It was 13-3. to <laughs> 
Wow. It was a wow. competitive game, and then SMU came out and scored three touchdowns in the third quarter and then two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That was when Shout out McDaniel to came a, out. Yeah, TJ McDaniel. <laughs> yeah. And that, that well that goes in that goes into my um my uh, me wanting to see something because thir- you know, you go in a halftime 13 to 3 on the road against SMU. Hey, we got something cooking here. And then the defense started to realize, "Oh, we're not moving the ball." And then it was just like, "Yeah, whatever." Like TJ McDaniel started to light up the defense and I was like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, like right. it just became like everybody's arms just went down. And it was like, "Ah, whatever. We can't offense isn't going to score anyway." You know, Gress Jensen I think had like 170 yards passing total on like 40 attempts. Like it was it was like an unreasonably conservative number. Um but yeah, and let me see. I think Tech State rushing at 29, 29 carries for 17 yards. Like, it was just not good. And SMU got everything they wanted. Um, Bichelle did throw two picks. Like, it, was, it wasn't a clean game from Bichelle at all. But like, No, no, no. It just, it just goes to show you, like, if you can sustain drives, if you can just give your defense time, right, by, by controlling possession a little more, get a couple points here and there. You know, I'm not saying you win, but it just it it gives your team that little bit of hope that something could happen, to where maybe you're a break or two away from pulling something away, and something like that can keep you in a game for four quarters. Yeah, and and look again for me, I I think that I expect some regression on defense, and I'm fine oh, with yeah. that, oh, right? Yeah. Like like I I think that again if if the if it's a relatively competitive game and the score is more like. 28 to you know 20 or something like that at halftime i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. right like like for me the biggest thing is right like you brought in jake spavadol to come in and revolutionize this offense right and and last year it's actually hysterical how similar the offensive numbers were to the year before (laughs) right like i think that they finished exactly number 121 in total offense both years that's that's insane how do you even do that right (laughs) and and it went from being like uh mostly rushing yards to mostly passing yards and it made no difference right so so for me um look i can deal with youth on defense uh i'd rather them not give up too many big plays but i can deal with youth on defense um but look (laughs) the thing that i always say right is that um you can tell whenever uh, you have a good coach <clears throat> when when his side of the ball is doing what it's supposed to do, right? So, like, sure. that was always <laughs> – the one that I always point to is at Florida. It was always really concerning to me when Jim McElwain had the worst offense in football and their defense <laughs> were incredible, right? Right. Right. And, and so, for me, like, I need to see that the thing that Jake Spavitt always brought in to do is happening. That, that's or the biggest even, thing I mean, for I mean, me. I mean, even take their opponent for example, right? We t- we look at year one Sunny Dykes. It was like, yeah, the yep, offense is turning yep. the ball over, but they're they're good. You saw what they were doing, and then obviously right. last year it was like, okay, here we go. We got something going. Here we, go. we got a good quarterback in, and you know all the wheels are turning now. It's like you have yeah. to see that little inkling of what you're supposed to be doing well actually happening. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well. Uh, we'll move on from being the uh, the SMU Texas State cast and uh, and move on to the other two games. <laughs> um, look, I and, and I don't feel that bad about it because they are FBS versus FCS games. Um, sure. But I will start. Uh, I will start with the game that obviously I expect to be a little bit more competitive potentially. Uh, Eight PM Central Time uh, at the Sun Bowl in El Paso, UTEP versus Stephen F. Austin. You can watch the game oh, on ESPN three. So uh, yeah, this uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Cause I, I I don't know what to think of this because <laughs> part of me is really scared for UTEP, but the other part of me is like SFA is also just in a rebuilding screw it kind of one hundred percent. 
So, <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about this game, right? So I said going into the year that I feel like UTEP has some pieces to be better than they have mm-hmm. been the past couple of years, and the schedule is just too damn hard, and they wouldn't be able to prove it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for better or for worse, you have two FCS games and a game against ULM, and those are three measuring stick games that you didn't have before. Yeah. Uh, and and look, I'm not saying... Again, I don't think that they're going to be as good as ULM, and they don't need to be, right? Like, you don't need to win that game, but like you have two games here that you will be favored to win. Mm-hmm. So... Now you go out against SFA, and um, I actually jumped on El Paso Radio yesterday and talked about it a little bit, but, like, SFA is extremely young, like, astonishingly young, uh, because they're Mm -hmm. built that way, but they have, for a team like that, for a team that's, you know, two years into a new coaching staff, they have as much FBS talent as really almost any other team in the Southland. Uh, it's it's young talent, right? They're freshmen and sophomores, but they, mm-hmm. they have it. And UTEP, on the flip side, I mean, I don't think it's exactly a hot take to say that they have the least FBS talent of any FBS team. <laughs> so, oh, man, I everybody knows, uh, you know, on, on, who listens to this podcast that I'm an unabashed UTEP stand, but man, oh, man, uh, they better be able to block those defensive linemen because they really need to win this football game. Yeah, like that's the th- oh man, that's the weirdest thing is like what's Colby, you know, what's Colby Carthel done really well since he's gotten to SFA? He's recruited really well. And the reason why he's recruited really well is because he's gotten those fringe FBS guys to say, hey, just come be a star in FCS, right? Come start right away, come play in a competitive conference, come compete potentially compete for conference championships instead of, you know, competing at the doldrums of the FBS, right? He's made that pitch to them and it's worked. Well, uh, UTEP's also <laughs> kind of fighting t- for those guys, too. And that kind of makes and for losing. even matchup. And also losing. And that kind of makes for even matchup that, all things considered, if things broke their way, probably leans SFA's way. Like, <laughs> it's... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk myself into, like, a UIW-UTSA thing like we did last year. Um, and sure. then UTEP goes on to win this by 20 or whatever, but... I, I I can't I don't see that as a similar situation just because the talent SFA is getting would absolutely make the two deep on UTEP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, I mean let me like just, I, I, I I don't know. <laughs> let me just be extremely real here, right? Sure. Uh, SFA the last two years has gotten two defensive linemen who are rated the number one FCS recruit in the nation. Yes. Uh, in Carl Williams and Brandon Wright, right? Mm-hmm. And both of those players had a number, a number of Power 5 offers. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, uh, those are the type of players that UTEP could honestly never dream of getting, right? right. Like, like th- those are talents that... that they could not dream of getting. Actually, I'm I'm looking at Brandon Wright's offer list right now, and it is it is scary. <laughs> you know, like like he had like a, he had an Auburn, he had an LSU, he had a Florida He'd State. Start. He would start yeah. right now for, for yeah. UTEP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. So I'm trying to I'm trying to. Well, here here's here's where it got really stark for me. Let's look at the position battles. Right. right? 
Who is the better quarterback? I'd say it's SFA. I'd yeah, probably I mean, take Trace. Hard, Hardison's new. Hardison's new. Who has the better running back? I'd say UTEP, right? UTEP for sure. I, I think it's definitively UTEP. Right. Who has the better wide receiver? SFA. <laughs> SFA. <laughs> right. So right. you're already you're through you're through three position groups and you're on a two to one for SFA. Offensive line? Is there a really significant pull either way? I, I would say that Bobby DeHaro is better by far than anybody on SFA. So I'd, I'd give U, UTEP the nod, but it's like by a hair. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, let's, I mean, we can go to the defense too, but like, you know, you get the point, right? Like it, the right, fact that right, we're like, right. kind of like, oh, it's kind of 50-50 on offense. And it's like, well, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, and and look, I have some optimism that, uh, that, you know, UTEP moving to a quarterback who passes the ball. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to say much more than that. You know, a, a quarterback who does know how to pass the football, I right. think it is going to do some good things, both for their running game and their passing game, right? Like, I think that, uh, you know, having Kai Loxley, a guy who really didn't spread the defense out at all, uh, made it a lot harder for, for their running backs last year. And their running back mm-hmm. room, I, I think, legitimately is extremely good. Like, it, it's not good for UTEP. It is a very good running back room. But, um, you know, it's <laughs> we saw last year, too. You know, they played against Houston Baptist, who you know, showed us some things last year, but still did finish below 500 in the Southland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, I, this isn't a team in UTEP that's going to come out and be able to blow out anybody. Like you say, you right. say, uh, you know, I mean, granted UTSA for the most part last year wasn't a team that could neither, but like UTSA clearly even last year was on a different planet than what UTEP was. Right. So like right. UTEP's not blowing out anybody by 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I think UTEP wins this game. I think they have to win this game, and I think they do. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to potentially get a little stickier than it needs to. This will be the game. I mean, I know you're going to be at uh, UNC Houston Baptist, but this is going to be the game where I'm going to have an eye on. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching Texas State SMU, but I am going to have my eye on that score for SFA UTEP because I'm, I'm legitimately curious. I'm going to have it probably on my computer while, you know, Texas State's on the TV, but... Hey, uh, Tech State's uh, midday, and, and SFA UTEP is a. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's late in the day, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I might I might have full focus on this game. So like, yeah. you know, it's which just is weird. I'm I'm legit. I know, right? This is gonna be really weird, but <laughs> I'm legitimately curious because like, you know, SFA is literally playing for nothing this year except development, right? We talked about it um, on our last show about their decision to basically use this as a year to develop and not risk injury or unnecessary you know competitive strain on their guys they're this is the development year so they literally have nothing to lose in this game yeah well m- moving on to the last game of the evening this is one i'll be attending north texas versus houston baptist so uh i think that these are two pretty interesting teams uh one thing i do want to say i i don't think that i've put out anything about it as yet but i did speak to bailey zappy yesterday um mm. for a story that i'm working on uh, so he does actually plan, uh, he, he has decided he's going to be back in fall 2021. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's pretty significant, um, yeah. that he'll be coming back for a fifth year senior year. Uh, so, you know, again, this is kind of a, a little bit just of an opportunity for, for that team and for him. Um, so the big question for me with, uh, the, the big interesting storyline for me with North Texas is what's going on in that quarterback position. It's, it's a little mm-hmm. surprising that, 
we have such little clarity at this point of what to expect. Sure. You know, I mean, we thought that the competition was going to be between uh, Austin Ani and Jason Bean, but it sounds like Case Martin has gotten himself back into the mix too. So we really have no idea who's going to run out first. And then on top of that, uh, they also had the quarterback transfer from Kentucky, whose name eludes me right now. Um, I don't know whether we know for certain whether he got a waiver as yet. I, I don't know if he did. Amani Gilmore is the quarterback who transferred from Kentucky. Um, mm. But look, <laughs> there's a lot of things right now in college football that we don't know. So, like, you know, it's it's so hard to, to know what to expect because that's four guys who, depending on what happens, could potentially be the starting quarterback of this team. And... Look, I I know that we all knew that the first year after Mason Fine was going to come with a whole lot of question marks, but man, oh man, are there a whole lot of question marks. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I mean, I'm wondering if part of it is just like, you know, surrounding conversations about COVID and things like that kind of burying the fact that we still don't know. Like, I feel like if we were in a normal year, people would be like, hey, Seth, why haven't you announced a quarterback yet? You know, like probably right. prodding him a little bit more. But I think everybody, you know, the season kind of catching, coming up, kind of catching everybody off guard and obviously the lead up conversation surrounding that. And so it was just kind of like, oh, by the way, they don't have a quarterback. And it's like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the, the the deciding factor for a lot of things in regards to this year, right? Because they have a new coordinator, uh, Seth Luttrell is he's taking back play calling duties. Am I if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, yep, yep. So so you know it is going to be a change in that regard too. Um, HBU is not a pushover like I expect North Texas to be. You know to win pretty comfortably, but you know HBU it wouldn't shock it shouldn't shock people if they come out maybe seven nothing score first or something. You know they're they're the team that's returning a little bit more. Um, despite being FCS, but you know, there's not somebody who you can kick around for, you know, and win by 40. Right. Well, and, and the thing is too, I mean, we named Bailey Zappi to our first team, all Texas college, uh, small, small mm-hmm. college rather. And mm-hmm. like, he's, he's not good for a Southland quarterback. He's just a good quarterback. Like, I think that, right. I think that there's a pretty good argument that if he was at, uh, North Texas right now, he'd be the starting quarterback already. Like he's sure. a really good player. And, um, you know, he's really started to come into his own as a quarterback in that offense, especially as he's become, you know, a junior, now a senior. So I think, yeah, and and on top of that, I think that the North Texas defense didn't show a whole lot last year. They're breaking in a new coordinator uh, in Clint mm-hmm. Bowen, at defensive coordinator. Um, and, and, yeah, like you mentioned, Seth Luttrell's taking over play calling duty. So there's a lot of new on this North Texas team, which we're not really used to. You know, it's been so much consistency right. the last couple of years with Mason Fine, with Seth Luttrell, with uh, with uh, Troy Reffitt on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you know, this, this has typically been a very consistent, stable team. But, uh, but like you said, I think that Houston Baptist – probably will be able to move the ball a little bit on them. Now, again, I, I expect North Texas to win. I expect them to win fairly easily. I, I expect sure. a pretty good day for their offensive line, which I think will help a lot. But mm-hmm. uh, but again, this is this is certainly not, you know, this this is not playing some team that's not going to do anything on you, right? Uh, right? You know, this is this is a team in Houston Baptist that's going to make you work on defense. Right. I, th- I was about to say, like you mentioned, the the defense for North Texas being you know underwhelming the way it was last year, I mean this is a you know 
Houston Baptist basically returns everybody on offense, or at least their big players, right? You mentioned Zappi. Yep. Um, they got Miniweather coming back on as a running, their leading rusher. Uh, ben Ratzliff, uh, wide receiver. Jared Stearns, who kind of broke onto the scene last year. Um, almost 1,000 yards receiving. Like that's, This is an offense that can put up points and put up yards. So if North Texas still is looking for some traction on defense, you know, this is a game that can get, is going to give them a wake-up call. Yeah. Well, uh, do you think that do you think that North Texas is going to be able to put them away pretty easily, or or how do you kind of see that going? I see, I see it close in the first quarter. Um, I do think, you know, eventually you do have to just trust that Seth, what Seth Latrell's done there has given North Texas. You know, put it this way: my issue with UTEP is that I don't believe they have a lot of FBS talent. I think North Texas has plenty of FBS talent. So definitely, I think that. When it gets to quarter second, the second quarter, third quarter, I think that's when you're going to start to see that stretch kind of happen. But I would, it would not shock me to see first quarter, end of first quarter, Houston Baptist 14, North Texas 10 or something, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me because they are, they do have new faces on defense. They are trying to break in a new quarterback. Like it's going to take a drive or two for North Texas to get its footing, but it wouldn't shock me by the end of the day to be like, oh, you know, North Texas 35, you know, uh, Houston Baptist 14. Right, right. Well, and, and I wouldn't be totally shocked to see North Texas run out multiple quarterbacks over the course of the game. I, I do think oh, sure, that, sure, sure. you know, th- this is potentially an opportunity for them to get live reps. And and one thing that we have to remember through all of this, and, and this is true with, uh, with, you know, position battles at other schools too, is that they didn't have the spring. You know, they didn't have the spring to kind of uh, build a resume. We've only had what's happened in fall camp. And obviously there's a lot of factors going into that. There's a lot of factors going into kids' lives, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there there could have been kids who came in more out of shape and worked their way back in because of what they had at home. I mean, we just don't know, right? There's a lot of factors. Yeah. And so I do think that there's a pretty good chance that we see multiple quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be, I think, pretty interesting. And, and I do think that... I do think that one of the the cool benefits of them playing Houston Baptist and playing against Bailey Zappi, again, one of the best quarterbacks in the state, is that I do think that Seth Luttrell will be forced early on in the game uh, to to choose who he feels like the hot hand is and choose who he feels like is is kind of leading the offense better and and try to Mm -hmm. ride them. Because I do think that, that... you know, there, this isn't going to be a situation where, you know, North Texas is up 21 to zero and then you just kind of get to flip through guys and see how they do. Like this is going to be potentially, you know, wanting guys to lead you out of jams and out of bad situations. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for this one. I actually, you know what? I, I think I've kind of talked myself into all three games <laughs> while listening to us <laughs> talk about it here. It's going to be a, a fun first weekend. For sure. No, I think there's something to look forward to in all of them. Um, I do think there's probably only one competitive one, uh, or at least four quarters of, you know, competitive uh, game. But um, there's something to look for in all these with all these teams kind of facing off. And for better or worse, you know, I think that's that's it's opening week, right? It's opening week of a weird season. You know, I you really can't ask for much outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have to ask you, which one is the which one is the four quarter game? Oh, it's, it's, it's UTEP SFA. Like that is the four, <laughs> that is the 100% four quarter game. I, I hope Texas State and SMU is, but I, I just think SMU is that much better. Um, yeah, yeah. it really has, I really don't think it has an effect on my opinion of Texas State's potential at all. But I think when you look at just on paper, on the field, roster to roster production versus production, it's UTEP versus SFA. 
Yeah. Well, we've been waiting uh, all long off season to have college football. It's finally coming back this weekend. Uh, the biggest thing, if you are listening to this and you are go- uh, thinking about going out to a game, please wear a mask. Please make sure you're social distancing. Please make sure you're staying safe. Uh, because I'll tell you what, the worst scenario that can come from this is not, you know, SFA upsetting UTEP or, you know, right. anything like that. The worst thing that can happen is that we have cases run amok and that we have to shut down college football. That's the right. worst thing that could happen through all of this. So uh, please stay safe. Um, look, I, I'm sure that that uh, ticket offices at schools don't don't want me to say this, but like, hey, it, it's really easy and nice to be able to watch the game at home, too. So don't uh, don't be opposed yeah. to doing that, too, if you, if you don't feel like you can uh, go out there and be safe. So And also uh, be considerate to people who are probably hired to enforce those uh, restrictions and you know, spacing protocols and all that. You know, they're just doing their job. They're trying to make sure that things are safe and, you know, because they also financially depend on the continuation of the season. So they're trying to make sure that they have um, money to come back to through the fall. So... Just be considerate to them if you go out there. Um, they're just doing their jobs. Yeah, and and on that note, uh, I mean, the University of Texas yesterday announced that they're cutting thirty-five positions and not filling another thirty-five. Yeah. So like, so like, these are the stakes, right? These are yep. the stakes for if University of Texas, who makes two hundred million dollars a year in their athletic program, decides that they can't pay the bills anymore. Like, who paid a three hundred thousand dollar moving fee to Vic Schaefer? But whatever. <laughs> well, well, that's. We can get into that some other time, <laughs> but you know, would, he he needs the best movers to help him move oh, across man. the country, sir. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I assume that they're just picking up his house in Starkville, Mississippi. I was about to say like three hundred thousand dollar moving <laughs> fee. Like that's like that's like getting a private jet for your stuff, and <laughs> and coming from Mississippi to Austin. Yeah, it is a. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um. <laughs> You know, I, I think just, you know, off the cuff here, I do think that maybe uh, if you're an athletic director, you could have kept your very good coach for one more year before throwing money at somewhere. But, you know, I digress. It's, it's not my it's not my business, obviously. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, as always, for joining us. As always, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. Become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. We will have lots uh, coming to you over the next couple of weeks, a lot coming to you from this weekend. Um, I, I still have a couple stories just this week that I'm working on to come up so, that I'm very excited about. So uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, as always, thanks everybody for joining us, and we will be back with you guys again. Actually, starting this week, we will be back with you guys on Sunday. So we'll Boom. look forward to talking to you then. <laughs>